You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That's three times I've welcomed you. I hope that you're feeling at home already. Thank you for joining us for our Sewing and Growing podcast. We're we're blowing and going. We are putting them out weekly and we're loving each and every time. I hope you're loving it as well because we're having a really great time here. And uh, we had a, a, a little bit of time where John and I were not together. That sounds weird. What am I trying to say? What you're trying to say is we normally do a lot of things during the week together, specifically podcasting and video announcements. Right. I had been in Canada. You'd been in Canada. I came back and then what did you go do? I went huh? and got married. Come on. Not in Vegas, no. not the church, but I got married and then I went on my honeymoon. So we had a lot of time without each other. Y- you and me. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's cheering up and I'm backing away from the table because it's getting awkward. Yeah, yeah, I got married and now I'm wearing yeah. rings and it's it's really distracting when you that never wore is... a ring in your life and then you wear it. Okay, this that is a was different ring. than the one that it's you wore yesterday. Ring. I've got a few silicone rings, man. You go on Amazon, you get a six pack for like 12 bucks. Yeah, the only thing about a silicone ring is not conducive to the whole COVID hand washing procedures. I've literally washed my ring straight off my hand and down the drain. Now, is that an issue with the ring or the size of the ring you have? I lost one of my rings in the ocean. I'm sorry I contributed uh, to the plastic in the ocean because that's exactly what I did. I but don't think a turtle will get his head stuck. Well, uh, maybe a baby turtle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I went in there. I was jumping in the waves and I come back and my wife was like, where's your ring? Like, where's your ring? I lost it. But we were least, married for two days. You are not wearing your ring. <laughs> uh, at least I didn't lose the uh, white gold one. Uh, yeah. So mine is Damascus steel. That sounds really awesome. I know. It means it's a bunch of layers of steel folded over on itself. This is not from Damascus. It's not Syrian occupied steel. It's just a bunch of layers. And then when you forge it, you get some really cool like patterns. It almost looks like wood. It looks like wood. It looks like lines. It almost looks like those sonar. Things that yeah. go like, boom, boom, and you exactly. got waves. It's kind of cool. I, so, I appreciate me, you. I'm putting you on the spot. Favorite thing about marriage so far? Favorite thing about marriage so far, and something I was nervous about was sleeping in the same bed. I've been sleeping better than I was before when I was sleeping alone. So yeah. that was a pleasant surprise. I was scared of the heat. I was mm. scared of getting kicked and having, <laughs> <laughs> not really, babe, I wasn't scared of getting kicked. But I've really enjoyed it. It's just nice. It's really nice. nice. Oh. That's awesome. Marriage is awesome. Marriage is a blessing. And salute to you as of being a newly married. We both have coffees here. So um, we're cheersing it up. But this could be a good transition to what we're talking about today because I'm sharing life with somebody. And the mm-hmm. title of this podcast is called Learning to Share. Learning to Share. We're going to talk about some evangelism. Uh, that's a big topic for the church. It's actually a command and a commission of the Lord Jesus Christ to share our faith. So we should learn how to share. And I was thinking that this is something that we start from a very early age, learning to share. Everyone is born in this world selfish. Yeah. I was hoping you'd agree. You have two children. I have two children, and I'd love to say that they aren't selfish. Well, I have a five-month-old. She doesn't know what she is yet. I mean, she's just alive and kicking. She loves herself. That means she's selfish. What am I saying? <laughs> My two-year-old is uh, is getting into that stage of, you know what, two-year-olds. I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to call her the T. I'm going to call her the terrific two. Terrific two. But she's starting to learn that, hey, I want this, and if you tell me to give it up, 
I have a very strong opinion about it. And we all start that way naturally, but I also believe spiritually, for the most part, if we're not mature, we're going to have a problem with sharing. And if we're talking about maturity, this is maybe the main point. I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to say it a new. I'm going to say it. I was going to say it a numerous amount of times. Do it. Probably a better way to say it. You're going to say it a handful repeatedly. Yeah. And this is the first time. Go for it. Maturity is not determined by what you have, but by what you give. We notice children are not just getting older, but they're maturing by their ability to share what they have. And what about children of God? I believe our maturity in our Christian faith has less to do with the verses that we memorize compared to the life that we share with a lost world. Can you say that point again? Say it again. Here we go. We're already starting the repeating process of the main (laughs) Maturity is not determined by what you have, but by what you give. So we're going to talk about learning to share our faith. And a statement that I've been chewing on ever since I heard it, it came from an evangelist who went to Africa and different parts of the world. His name is T.L. Osborne. Maybe you've heard of him. He wrote a famous book called Healing the Sick. And he brought about a lot of miracles because he was always an evangelistic man, but he was going to, I believe, the Middle East or India and Africa, and he was noticing that the Muslims wouldn't listen to him with just his good stories. And he said, what's the deal? He said, God, I need something extra. And he started seeing miracles in his ministry. But before he would go out to his massive crusades with thousands of people, he would remind himself of this. And I think we can remind ourselves of this too. I have what everyone needs. I have what everyone wants. And that's if they recognize it or not. And we need to understand that we go, of course, Teal Osborne, the huge evangelist talking to thousands of people needs to know this, but we have the life of God. I have what everyone needs and I have what everyone wants. We have to put ourselves in remembrance of that because we our evangelists as well. Yeah. We've all been given a ministry. It talks about it in Second Corinthians. Yeah. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Right. And I think these are some good points because most of the time, I think a lot of Christians don't see the act of not sharing their faith as something that's selfish. And I like that you related it to the immaturity of a child doesn't want to share things. But really, what you have on the inside of you is life. It's eternal life. And to think, hey, I have eternal life that is available for everyone. And if I am not sharing it, that really is an act of selfishness. And I remember that story that we heard a while ago. Remember Penn and Teller? Yes. Which one was it? Was it Penn or was it Teller? I can't answer that. It was the the thick guy. Yeah, he wears glasses. The goatee and the ponytail. The one who speaks. We'll say that because the other one doesn't speak ever. (laughs) But he had an encounter with that Christian and he said, um, after the encounter... Uh, he, he didn't accept, he didn't accept God, but he said, uh, this, he said, how much do you have to hate someone to not share Jesus with them? If that's truly what you believe. And that might seem like some strong words. Cause I'm like, I don't hate anybody, but not giving someone eternal life because mm. you're uncomfortable. And he took <laughs> that analogy a little farther and yeah. compared it to a bus yes. saying if anyone was standing in front of a bus and they right. had the ability to pull somebody out of the way of the bus and they chose not to. How much do you have to hate that person to allow them to be hit by a bus? Right. And we say it with a life preserver too. If you have a life preserver and someone's drowning and all you have to do is toss them a life preserver, 
Um, why wouldn't you why wouldn't toss you? the life preserver? Normally, the most confident person probably on the beach right. is the lifeguard who has everything. But us as Christians find ourselves without confidence, right. and it's really hard to share anything that you aren't confident about yourself. Right. And we are faith people, and it starts in our mouth, and it starts in our heart, and often what we say with our mouth gets in our heart. So if we can remind ourselves, I have what everyone needs, that's obvious. That's the ability to pull people out of the bus path of a bus. That's the ability to toss a life preserver to someone. I think we're more challenged with the other statement, though. I have what everyone mm. wants. But because people go, people don't want Jesus. They tell us all the right. time that they hate it. Do you have an idea of what I mean when yeah, I say I well, have what everyone I think wants? that people don't necessarily know what they want. And, you know, we have staff prayer every morning and we were praying this out this morning. And, you know, people, there's the God-shaped hole in everybody, you know, yeah. that song. And there's the other cliche song, looking for love in all the wrong places. There is a desire to be fulfilled and to be loved and to, it, well, yeah, that I think people don't necessarily know that the fulfillment of that is Jesus, but they're looking. So it's wrapped in a different package, but they want what you have. Is that, is that yes. where you're going? Well, do people really want alcohol? Or do they want the they want the effects, the effective alcohol, except yeah. for the hangover <laughs> and the broken relationships and they want to relax. The expense. They want to let loose. They want to relax. They want to let loose. Why do people do certain drugs? Because they right. want an emotional release in those things. Yeah. If the alcohol or the drugs did not offer them those effects, would they want the white claw beverage? Maybe I've never had one. I don't know, but probably not. Why do they want the the marijuana? Why do they want the cocaine? It depends on what kind of high they're trying to get, but right. they're trying to get something from that. Yeah. Even this, I heard it said this way. Do you want an iPhone that has one important aspect of that phone missing that'll keep it from working? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's just a piece of plastic and glass and metal. It does nothing for you. Sounds like an iPhone off of wish.com. <laughs> wish.com, <laughs> which Amazon is turning into wish. Yeah. If What if Jeff Bezos listened to this, huh? That'd he, be cool. He wouldn't, but if he did. Maybe you'd leave a review. and Get then it together, bro. I've had too many things I've ordered off of Amazon in, in complete and total confidence, and I get it, and it's, I'm like, this is a wish.com. This is an item that sucks. Mm -hmm. This is beyond the point. Let's let's keep let's keep going. What we're going back to is it's the effect of the thing, not the thing itself. People don't know the effect that Jesus will have on their life, but we do. Mm -hmm. And to rightly minister to anyone and share a life with that person and to get them from the state that they currently are in, where they're undesirous of God, not interested in him no vision for their life with him, even though they're made for relationship with him, we have to have vision for their life that they don't have. We have to be visionaries where they're not visionaries. Mm. So that starts with us going, they want it, whether they know it or not. And I'll say it again. I have what everyone needs. I have what everyone wants. And we're going to grow up and our maturity is going to be determined not by what I have, but by what I give. And that started real early. I remember being in youth and just the, thinking the more that I knew, the better Christian I was. But right. really, you walk in deception if you know a lot and you don't apply a lot. Absolutely. It says to know to do good and not to do it is to sin. And to him who hears but doesn't do, yeah. he deceives himself. One other thing I think about too is 
some people lack confidence because you might know of a subject, but not truly know. Like I think about like if I were to just be on a Wikipedia fan page mm-hmm. um, for whoever, Kanye West. <laughs> um, I could read all that information, but it's a whole lot different than if I actually knew him personally. Um, and that's kind of the difference between knowing about something or someone and then actually knowing that person. And so really the confidence in sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus is having that, that intimate relationship with him when you, where you can say, you know what, I don't just know about Jesus. I intimately know him now. And that comes with time. That comes with uh, really being um, diligent in your walk with him. Um, I don't know. That just popped into my head. Yeah, I uh, ministered this subject to our youth students at one of our camps and I said it this way. I said, before you can get somebody excited about Jesus, you got to be excited about Jesus yourself. Yeah. If you're going to try to communicate something passionate to somebody else and you're not passionate about it, it's not going to work. What about Philemon? That the communicating of your faith would become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing right. that's already in you. Yeah. The sharing of our faith yeah. gets energized yeah. by us thinking of all the great things that we have in Christ. Right. So if I say, hey, man, God gives you love, joy, peace, but I ha- don't really know what that means or have experienced it myself or acknowledged it myself, it's going to be pretty unconvincing when I'm telling someone, hey, man, you should really follow Jesus. He's going to give you some joy. and You know, <laughs> it's different. And I was thinking about these things, and I think the issue we're running into is that we don't want to be convincing a lot of times. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to live a different life. Right now we're in the middle of a series or maybe the end of a series at our church called the church undeniable. I thought you were going to say we're in the middle of a serious pandemic. Well, we are that as well, (laughs) but I'm bringing it back into the house and we're not having a pandemic in the house. We're safe and protected in the house, but we're in a series called the church undeniable. But the enemy has so shrouded and covered what that means and changed it where we don't want to be fanatics and we don't want to be freaks, which I don't believe the Lord wants to make me a fanatic and a freak. I think he wants to make me influential and powerful on this earth. But we shy away from being recognizably different than everyone. And I think that's where it starts. That's experiencing life with God and allowing it to change us. We got to ask these questions. Uh, Do we want to stand out? Do we want to stand out? As an introvert, I would naturally say no. Right. But we're made to stand out. We're made to be recognizably different. And even more than that. Okay. So maybe I want to stand out. Do we want to stand out to the degree that it provokes a response with someone asking us about it? Yeah. Introverts say no. But come on, the life of God on the inside of you is saying yes. Right. Which leads me to this verse. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17, uh, the, Peter spoke to Jewish believers, and there was tons, tons of criticism from Jews and persecution to the degree where people were being disowned and killed and completely put out of their families, and they had to stand up for their faith. They were literally losing family to be in the family of God. And Peter said this in the middle of it, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope Mm. that is in you with meekness and fear. 
I believe we get the cart before the horse a lot of times and we don't become recognizably different. We don't desire to stand out in this earth, not for being cocky, not for being uh, weird spiritual, but just being undeniably his people. Mm-hmm. So we have to force down people's throats the message of the gospel instead of them coming to us and saying, what is it about yeah, you? That's lifestyle Christianity. Lifestyle Christianity. Come on. What was that quote? Was it by... Uh, Augustine, start saying the quote, and then I might be able to He's help. He's going to help, and we're going to tag team this one. He said, "Preach the gospel at all times." Oh yeah, and sometimes use words. I think it's a starting point. You always have to use words, right? I can't remember who said that. I want to yeah. say it was like David Wilkerson, but I could no. Be it was. Totally it, was wrong. it was. I think it was older than that. Actually, oh yeah, it was. Preach the gospel and sometimes use preach words. the gospel at all times yeah. and sometimes use words, which leads me to this idea. Presence evangelism. I heard a guy talk about this, and it may be a little extreme for some of us. I'm not sure where you're at with it, but I just want us to practice his presence more. Recognize that the presence of God is on us. Uh, This gentleman, he's evangelistic by nature, and he told me he would go into hospital waiting rooms where people were sick, and he wouldn't talk to anyone. He would just know the presence of God was on him and wait for somebody to come up to him. And he said it had happened all the time. People would go, I don't know what it is, but there's just something different about you. Hmm. And then he'd be able to openly minister the gospel wow. to them with them starting the conversation. Is it always going to work that way? Should we use that as a crutch to fall upon? No. But what we should recognize is that we are different. And the mm-hmm. difference is the presence and life of God on us and call on that and say, I'm going to start living that out. Right. And it's going to provoke a response. Jesus went around and he did approach certain people, but the majority of the people approached, approached him. him. And then he went from that spot. Yeah. I think that guy in the in the hospital waiting rooms, he was so confident in, I have what everybody needs and I have what everybody wants. Exactly. I don't think there's any shadow of a doubt in his mind. When he goes places, he knows I have what they want. And when someone's really searching for something, if the answer is visible and right in front of them, they're going to go, they're going to search it out. Exactly. So if you're being salt and you're being light and you're living lifestyle Christianity, which means you're taking the word that you read and you hear on Sundays and you're applying it to your life, it's going to be visible. It's going to be evident. And someone searching is going to see that right in front of them. And more than like more, more times than not probably approach you. Exactly. Which I want to see more of in my life. The whole time that this series at the church has been going on, the church undeniable, I've been thinking in my own life, what is my life going to be different? How is it going to be different? How is it going to be undeniably different? And I'm a smiley, happy, joyful, positive guy most of the time, not all the time, but often people recognize me and say, you're just such a nice guy. I don't want that to be the case anymore. I want people to see me and go, there is something different and even holy about your life. I don't want them to recognize it just as niceness. I want them to recognize it as godliness. I don't want to be God. I'm not going to put myself on the same plane of God, but I want them to see his life in me. Hmm. And that's what I'm talking about here. Amen. But let's talk about a practical process of how we start to share our faith with others. And I learned about this in our Bible school. Again, we both go to New Creation Church. Join us. It's where we work. That's where our friendship and our relationship grew. It's a great place to be. I encourage you, if you're not in our valley, find a church near you and get planted and grow in that. Listen to our podcast, House Plants. You'll learn more about that. But join us. 
we went to our Bible school and Pastor Mark talked about being as smart as a farmer. And I just think of a few uh, points in this on what that means. First off, you have to have a field. And a field is a place for the farmer to put the seed. The seed is the word of God. No person can get saved outside of the word of God. The Bible says, how can someone believe unless they've heard? Heard what? The good news of the gospel, which is the Bible. And I believe you have to seek out a field. It even says that in the Bible that somebody went out and they sought out a field. Mm -hmm. We need to do that. And I have a few uh, rhymey things I say about this. First Mm -hmm. off, you got to pray before you pass and care before you share. Before you go and drop the gospel on somebody, do you care enough about that message to pray about what you're going to share with somebody? And do you actually care about the person or do you feel religiously obligated to share to the person? Those things will come out. So pray before you pass with somebody and care before you share and think about the sphere of influence you're around. What gym are you going to? Why do you go to that gym? Does it ever come in contact to your mind and your intellectual capacity Are we planning our life around being around unbelievers on purpose to minister to them? Hmm. (laughs) It's a a good question. Do I think about which checkout line do I go out in the grocery store? Because I want to build a relationship with this person to know where they're at with the Lord. I'm going to go to this gas station at this time and get my fuel at this time because I know this person works at this time and the Lord's put Mm -hmm. them on my heart. And I'm praying for them and I care for them. That's about having a field. But once you have a field... You don't just plant the seed in its natural state. You start to cultivate that. What would you say cultivating it means? Um, Well, if you're just, again, looking at what a natural field is, if you throw seed on hard ground, it will never be able to germinate. It's got to get beneath Mm -hmm. the soil. So that whole cultivating process or tilling process is stirring up the ground so it's soft and it can receive. So that starts with really superficial type of relationship with someone. Breaking the ice um, really trying to connect with that person and get into, you know, crack the door open to the heart before you plant the seed. Cause a lot of times you just throw the seed and it's just like banging on the door. You know, you're, you have something that's eternal and life-changing. It's a very big deal. And to just throw that on unprepared ground, it will never have, it will, it will never come to fruition. So when I think of tilling the ground, when I think of cultivating, I'm thinking about getting to know that person for that person. Instead of just thinking, this is an encounter so I can get my objective done. Exactly. It's, I actually care about this person, so I'm going to take the time to really connect with their heart before I give them Care before the you share. Yeah. It's never the seed's fault. Oftentimes, no. we'll get frustrated at the message or what. Right. It's not that. It's always the way the soil was prepared. Absolutely. And you start at an, I wanted to say artificial. It's not artificial. It is somewhat Superficial. superficial. But it has validation in it. You know the best topic, I think, to start with? Here's a real practical thing. Weather. Weather. I was going to say it. (laughs) Literally, I go to a gym with old people, and every time somebody walks in, like, man, sure is getting cool at not sleeping a lot better. Yeah, I think a storm's coming in on Tuesday. It's just a connecting point. I got the window open anyways. I'm sleeping with the window open. Yeah, you just start talking about it. Um, there's about no that rain, huh? We needed it. <laughs> exactly. Randy Travis song uh, about forever and ever. Amen. It says, as long as old men sit and talk about weather, weather, as long as old women sit and talk about old men, these are just things that you talk about. But let me tell you something. Remember something about what that person says about the weather. If they go, man, I just love the summer. Uh, next time you see that person say, 
hey, are you holding on to these last few days of summer? They sure are nice. Connect with them. No matter how small, it's worth getting it started because a seed is small and you got to start small to Mm. get that small seed in that's going to have the big harvest. But once you put the... Once you cultivate the field, you put the seed in. Does that need to be scripture in verse? I don't think no. you need to. I think you probably shouldn't. Yeah. And I, probably steer away from King James. <laughs> go passion on that go person. Go passion on that person. Communicate <laughs> principles to that person. Yes. Because it regard uh, whether you know it or not, say quoting, you know, Acts 3 to someone means nothing to to someone who doesn't know that. But the principle behind that scripture is what really matters. I'll give you a great example. My wife has a boss and she is a, uh, she's a foreigner and she married an elderly man, had uh, two girls with him. And he just recently passed away, had a heart attack and passed away. She's still in her thirties. Uh, now she has two girls under the age of 10 wow. and she's really shook up. And how am I going to pay for things? What are they going to do for school? The husband was a stay at home dad. So he like cooked all the meals. She doesn't cook. He homeschooled the kids. They had never been to school. She shook up. Like, what do I do? And she was asking Marissa because Marissa had cared before. Marissa is the name of my wife. (laughs) Shout out to my wife. And then she'd cultivated a field by working and caring for her boss. And the boss like, what do I do? And Marissa shared one verse with her. She said, hey, stop worrying about forever. It actually in the Bible says that today the worries are enough. Just focus on today. And she said, that's amazing. I love that. Can you send me that scripture? Going from that moment, she said, hey, can I have a conversation later with you about the afterlife? Just from that (laughs) one scripture. So you put the seed in and then you just water that seed. Watering that Mm -hmm. seed is little reminders. You're going to hear from your heart, from the Holy Spirit. Hey, maybe share this. Ask him this question. And it'll be around that scripture, around that principle. Yeah. And I think it just waters it. You plant the seed of the word and sometimes watering it looks like just doing something kind for that person. Exactly. Anything that nurtures that seed to grow. Sometimes you think I got to just keep piling more seed upon more seed upon more seed. One seed is oftentimes is enough. You plant that one in their heart and then you water it with the God type of love, mm-hmm. the God kind of love for that person, whether it be, you know, taking them out to coffee, buying their groceries, just having a good conversation with them. That's watering that seed. I love that you said that because it reminded me that the Holy Spirit confirms the word with signs Signs following. following. Those are those kind deeds. Those are those things that you add on the word showing that I'm applying it. I value it. It's working in my life and it can work in yours too. And then after that seed has grown, you harvest the crop. Right. But we get this mixed up. A lot of times we see somebody they're uncultivated. We haven't prayed for them. We don't care about them. We throw seed at them. It bounces off their body. They look at us like we're rude for throwing something at them. We call them a heathen because they don't get saved and there's no harvest. But there's right. a five-step process we just lined yeah. out. And people are worth it. Absolutely. Very rarely does someone get saved instantaneously. And something that we learned in one of our classes, when because we've actually wanted to learn more about how to evangelize and share because we're in the same boat a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's nerve-wracking but there's a statistic that says that what is it seven point six maybe seven point six times it takes someone to hear the gospel before they actually get saved so you're not going to be the one saying it seven times right to their face in 10 minutes no it means it could be years worth of encounters but usually on the seventh time, that person's ready to receive. So you might be step number one. You might have planted a seed 
and you need to pray over that seed because other people are going to come and water it. That's true. Um, or you might be the seventh person that that you know you might be that seventh time and get that person saved. Regardless, it doesn't happen usually instantaneously. And that's really comes down to our hearts. Do I actually care about this person or am I a- accomplishing an objective? And sometimes evangelism can be really task oriented. Like I got to yes. get my person saved. Absolutely not. It's like you got to develop a relationship. It could take months. It could take years before that person is ready to receive what you have. And the way the person teaching that class stated it was, it's not about what comes from that discussion. Just don't miss your number. Absolutely. Whether you're the first person, the third person, or the seventh person, don't worry about the result of that encounter. Just make sure you don't miss right. your encounter if with that person. If you miss your encounter, sometimes that can ruin the process. You put them back a step. You put them back a step. Yep. You know, I was... Sorry, we only have like it's a okay. minute. Um I was just up in Canada and helping my father-in-law cut alfalfa. And there's a very, there's a timely window on when you need to do things. And we're checking the weather. Um, Mm -hmm. If it's going to rain, it's not going to work. But what you do is you cut it and then you, and then you tether it, which spreads it out. So it dries, but then you got to gather it in time. Cause if you don't, they say it turns to sticks Wow. and then it's ruined. And so just relating this all back to when there's a, an inclination, there's a tugging on your heart to go talk to someone, that's your number and there's a window. And usually that window is very precise and you want to be obedient. So you don't want to miss your number. Very good. It's important. Very good. All right. We always like to end our podcast with the wisdom of the day. What is your wisdom of the day, Pastor Jonathan? My wisdom of the day would be step number two. And when you're talking about being as smart as a farmer in cultivating the field, um, I think it's really important as a Christian to be dedicated to the process of relationship and making sure that person's heart is ready to receive what you have because it's very precious and very life-giving, obviously. It's salvation. And you don't want to waste that opportunity because you didn't take the time to prepare someone's heart. Yeah. Uh, This verse may be out of context, but you don't want to cast pearls before swine. You might go, well, that's really harsh. The person I'm ministering to isn't a swine. No, but they may be not prepared to receive the message in the way they should. That's saying a pig doesn't understand the value of pearls. Exactly. So you're not calling that person a pig, but you got to get that person to the point that they understand the value of what you're giving them. Right. Because it's their dirt it's going to grow in. And it's based (laughs) off the condition of their dirt. Absolutely. My wisdom of the day is what I said before. I told you I'd repeat it a lot. Maturity is not determined by what you have, but by what you give. I don't want to heap a bunch of mental ascent inside of me in the life of God that's changed my life and great faith. I want to share everything I have. And one last scripture that really speaks to giving and not just having is what Jesus said to his disciples, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely. You have received freely give with that. I'm going to pray. And then we will be patiently waiting for you to join us. On the next week on the Sony Growing Podcast. Father God, I thank you so much for the life that you've given us, and I call it worthy to share. Father God, help us to be mature believers that share what we have, live different lives that provoke a response to this world. And we have what everyone needs, and we have what everyone wants. We freely share it with them so that they can have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Amen. Here's next time on the Sowing yeah. and Growing Podcast.